We're holding in 247 in the Orchasadikim. We're holding on 247, this paragraph over here. So I'm now going to inform you, says Orchasadikim, about the wisdom of the Nefesh, the Ruach, Uneshama. There's the three elements that make up of who, what we are. There's different elements, there's different things that. What drives us, what drives our desires, what drives our, our, our motivations. Kedelir, in order, why? What? No, no. When it comes to the, the makeup of the, ne- of, the, of the soul, yeah, but when it comes to the makeup of the soul, it's nefesh, ruach, nesham. Kedelir, asakadosh baruch This is an order that once we have a deeper understanding of these elements, then we'll be able to better understand what does it mean to fear hakadosh baruch that we should be then be able to fear Hashem. Hanefesh yakavid. The nefesh... The nefesh usually refers to the, the more, the more uh, you would call, physical aspects of ourselves. The thing that desires physical attainment in this world. The nefesh is nidme, is compared to the kavit. What's the kavit? The liver. Ki hadam, why is it with the liver? Ki hadam hu nefesh. Because as we know, we understand, the Pesach says literally, you're not allowed to eat blood. And the reason why you're not allowed to eat blood is ki hadam hu nefesh. You're not allowed to cause a chabur to somebody because in a sense, you're taking their soul. The lifeblood, no, literally, no pun intended, but pun intended. The lifeblood which allows us to have chiyos, to have life in this world, stems from the fact that we have blood. And that's what the liver, the liver is, the, is that which takes in and extracts out. It filters through. That is what the liver does for us. The liver, again, speaking in a euphemistic sense, but the liver is that which makes and creates and generates the desire to eat, to drink, to have the desire for memshala v'tavasa, power, and to seeking recognition and the world, this world. Lefi, why? Because the covenant, the liver is filled with dam. It desires the goodness of this world. It wants pleasures. It wants goodness. It wants to be fed. This is what the, the this is what Shlomo Hamelch means. The full soul, nefesh seveya, again, the soul which is fulfilled, tavis nefesh. It wants a honeycomb. What does that mean? Haruach v'alev. The ruach, now, now he's moving on to the next day. Haruach v'alev. What is ruach? How do you define ruach? The spirit of a person. That's the heart. The spirit, again, like the ruach, can go in and go here. It can go fly here, it can fly there. It could be ruach metzuya, it could be also ruach sheh, and a metzuya. It's all around. It just, it doesn't have something which ties it down. That is something which umavakesh srara gedoyla umalchis. It desires power. It desires to be to lord over you. Believe, but now then he moves on to believe. When they all don't lord the within the man, the heart of a man, is a desire to run after. Oh, he desires to run after recognition. Hakovit. Okay, gilus halev nikra gases ruach. That's why we say generally because I'll refer to when someone is desiring honor. That's considered to be a uh, haughtiness. Why? That's called gasus haruach. Why is this something from ruach? This is what raises a person up. You know, wind, wind is an amazing thing. Wind can pull you down, but it also raises you up. What, what, what is a kite? What is a plane? What does it all do? All, you're using the wind against it in order to fly in the air. It's an amazing thing. I mean, that's what, that's what gaiva is. Gaiva is using those elements of life. The fact that I said a good cheer, the fact that uh, you know people stand up for me. Ah, you know, maybe I'm actually better than I think I am. Uh. You know, I always say gaiva. What's gaiva? Especially misplaced gaiva, is where a person walks into a big room of thousand people, 
and he's holding a Sefer Torah, and everybody stands up. Now, about Gaiva, he'll think that, hey, maybe someone's standing up for me too. <laughs> they're, they're not standing up for you, they're standing up for the Torah. And that's someone who's a Tamachacham has to always realize and always remember that as, much, as many attainments as, as we may be Zaycha to, it's never you. It's never you. It's, it's because of the Torah that they're Mechabi. You, you, without the Torah, you'd be a bum. Without you, would be nothing. We all have a little guy, so how do we get rid of it? Ah, that's a great question. So first of all, everybody has to have some level of gaiva. The Gemara says in Shminis Shvishminis. Everybody should have some element of gaiva. That means, what does it mean, gaiva? Gaiva means some recognition. I wouldn't even say it like that. I don't think it's a necessarily need for recognition. People can go their, their entire lives without any recognition. It's the ability to feel that you're capable of doing something. Gaiva, is, in its healthy form, is that I believe I'm capable and I want to do something good and I want to have a lasting impact. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when it becomes that that is the end endeavor, that is the, end, that is the hope and the dream and the desire, that is exactly why I'm doing it. That's also bad. That's very bad, actually. Just can you shut the door. Just, it, that, that's also why. That can't be the reason unto itself why you're doing it. That's number one. Because, unfortunately, the minute you don't have the recognition, you stop doing the good things. You can do good things with the then ultimate payoff that there is some level of recognition. But it can't be the reason the ultimate desire as to why you're doing it. That's, that's very makukal. That's one aspect. Now you're asking how to get rid of gaiva? Assuming that you're not talking about where you already have that level of gaiva now beyond that. So it really, it all comes into a question of is it something which is earned or something which is not earned? I don't think people should derive gaiva by, being, by having, let's say, a photographic memory. That's not, you didn't do anything for it. I can understand someone having a real, a real challenge of gaiva if it's something that they worked for something that they attained, and then they are proud of it. But something that you didn't do, something that was just purely given to you from Hashemayim, like, at that point, person for sure should be like, it was purely, if, if, if luck of the draw, you know, the fact that they wish to put it in my, in, in my mind and not yours, that's a bracha. So therefore, I have to treat that like a bracha and understand that it has a certain purpose for the world. Otherwise, it's, it's totally an honor. Now, what are you asking? So you're asking a question. How do you get, is it worthwhile, number one, is it worthwhile, number one, that a person should ask themselves and say, you know, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe those moments of thought would be like, hey, I have this problem, I got that problem. But Chazal says that a should have a kupa shel shratzim around their neck. What does that mean? It means that a person, as much as everyone's saying, oh, you're amazing, you're the best, you're special, you're this, a person should always remind themselves, yeah, but you know what? I know the truth. I know what really goes on. I, I, I was not perfect in my childhood. I wasn't perfect in my teenage years. And certainly I'm not perfect yesterday or tomorrow or probably even currently right now. A person always has to remember that you're not as good as everyone else is telling you. Yeah. <clears throat> and he had his stuff laid out from the night before, right? So he has his seat, right? So he came late, and someone else was sitting there. He moved his stuff over, and someone else sat there. Okay. Immediately when he came in, he said, You have to move. I'm sitting. This is my seat. In the middle of the Shema. Now, if the guy, I saw a seat in the front. If the guy had stopped to take a look, he would have said, There's another place you can go with. This test came upon him very quickly. It's like that. Right. You don't even recognize it's a test at that moment until you realize how you flung it. Right? right. That's what the guy was probably thinking. Right. So, so now that is a <clears throat> But you see, you're asking, but you're asking how that person can work on their gaiva? I'm saying That's never the good question. <laughs> you never ask how that guy can work on their gaiva. No, the question of gaiva is internal. Wait, you're not listening. I am listening. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, <laughs> I am it doesn't have to be a whole retrospection <laughs> in your life. But okay. You pass those small tests. Right. The only way to work gaiva out of a person is a little at a time. You can't just say, I'm going to remove this trick because it's right. work. Right. And it's something that's like, you've got a splinter right. that you have to take out. It's hard now. Right. 
I mean, that's that's the. Ch- the ch- I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It doesn't have to be a big. It's like an everyday. Yeah, the every the day to day, the daily I grind. First, but you know, one hundred percent. Right, right, right. Listen. One hundred percent. I think that you have to, you have to use the you have to use the power of imagination before you do it. I mean, the power of imagination is the wonder to think about. To get to the the bottom of that issue, let's say for example, you come in and you have someone sitting in your seat, I'm like this is my seat, for yourself again, not for someone else, but for yourself. You're thinking about, okay, what would I do in that situation? Would I would I do, what does it mean my seat? Is this your shul? Is this your base measure? And even if you pay money for it, you know it's very common in shuls that, pay, that somebody pays money for their seat. One of the biggest problems I can imagine in Shamayim, of all the problems that come up right before Shaniyam Kippur, is the amount of times people buy a seat and they come in and it's not the seat they want, or someone's encroaching in it, somebody else was sitting there, there's a, your name was written incorrect, all of the issues that happen internally because the Yitzhah are so strong every Yom Kippur. You come in and you're like, you're expecting like to have your seat. And you walk in, Ugh, you feel like a mezuzah. I mean, I don't know, maybe it depends on the place you dive in, if it's, if it's not really a shul that you've ever dived before. You know, you don't, have that, you don't have those expectations, but your shul, the Gabbayim know you. They get, you ask for their stender. And what happens? It's to understand that nothing is, nothing is ours. Again, it, that work happens beforehand. Once you get to that place, once you get to that point, it's like, it's so ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. It's only because, you shouldn't be shocked by life. That's what I'm trying to, really what I'm trying to say. Like most things in life, you shouldn't be shocked. It should be some level of thought beforehand. That's kind of what you're supposed to be doing in Musr Seder. When you're doing in Musr Seder, when you're thinking in Mir Sashem, everybody here should be learning Musr. I mean, that's Pasha. This, this doesn't accomplish Musr. It has to be personal, internal. You sit and think about it. You wonder about it. You think about how can I react better in that situation. I come home and the floor is completely a mess. What am I going to do? How am I going to respond? And believe me, and it's not like I'm perfect on this matter. That's why I'm using it as a perfect exact example. I come home and I can't see the floor. What's my reaction going to be? So for some wives, not that I'm speaking out of, uh, you know, out of uh, experience, but some wives don't like that either. Because mechatesia, oh, you see, you're saying, yeah, you're saying, I can't do it. Again, you'll never win. The point is, is that you have to think about five minutes before you walk in the room. What am I going to say? What am I going to feel? What if the dinner's not ready? By the, the one thing that I, like, I actually have 100% earned gaiva for is that I've never complained to my wife that the food wasn't ready when I came home. To me, like, I, it's a very cliche example, but it apparently happens a lot. For something to be cliche, I mean, it's true. There are quite a, few, quite a few husbands that come home. Where's my food? Where's my food, woman? <laughs> it's ridiculous. The whole thing makes zero sense to me. So eat before. What, you know, you, you've never snuck a snack before? <laughs> like, all of a sudden it comes to this, you can't buy a shawarma when nobody notices? You, the amount of times that the, the Eitan ate a shawarma before he came home. He's a tzaddik. He knows if I don't come home with a full stomach, he's going to be upset. So he's very smart. It's a Pasha it's a Zafto. The point is, the point is, is understanding that nothing should be a shock to you. Why? Again, you can't think of every scenario. But when you distill an idea to its value, you can then use that value to other places of life. You don't have to think about every single particular example. That means you're not thinking like a lambda. Think like a lambda means I understand the concept, I understand the idea. The idea is being frustrated that things aren't the way I want it to be when I get home. That's the, that's the value. How, which particular example, which way, either your son is running around with a diaper on his head that's dirty, or, or whatever, whatever crazy example. You don't have to think of every one of those examples. But you can think about the value, and then you can expand that value out to the exact example that may occur at that moment. But nothing should ever be a shock. I say this all the time. People that are in fighter jets, people that are in the military, what do they do? Mahavdu, what do they do? They work hours and hours, hundreds of hours and hundreds of hours of practice. 
They have constant dogfights in the sky. They're fighting and running, boom, boom, boom. No guns, no weapons, but they're shooting at each other theoretically, right? Because they're playing out every possible scenario that could possibly occur. So when they're actually in war, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't get stuck in shock. They don't freeze in shock because the whole idea is that in a sense they've been there already. Now it's just a process of how, how do I go do it? That's how life is supposed to be to a large degree. Is that muster, avoid us, how muster is that we're thinking about before we get to the scenario, what we're going to do. That way it won't be a shock to us. What? No. Yeah. Okay, 100%. The Yitzhar is a takbu. You know what? You have to be a shtukl smarter. You're never going to be one step ahead of the Yitzhar, but at least you can be half a step behind. Okay? Maybe it could be that there may be a point where you can perfect yourself to recognize that this is now a task. And then you can exactly. make a choice and say, I'm going to do this. Like you're saying, is amazing. You know, someone, someone because who's working... Sometimes I find my stuff saying, reaction and gut reaction. Yeah, very good. So, you know, someone, someone will have to, who's working on, let's say, anger issues. You know they talk about in anger, in anger sessions? Anger management, they call it. They, they train you to focus on the small micro-reactions that a person has. Now, usually most people, they're just reactive. They just feel something, like, they're, they're upset. They don't realize that when, if they would slow things down, if they theoretically had a, had a video that would slow down their reaction time, they would realize that they're starting to get a crinkle over here. There's a little bit of pain over here. There's a little bit of anger over here. Their heart is starting to palpitate a little bit. These are so quick for us that we may not notice, but when you get slowed down and train yourself to realize, what am I reacting to? That's what I'm asking you. That is the heart of my question. It is. How do you slow down to realize and to train yourself? I would say that, I, I would say that big door that you walk into before your house is the very thing that you should be focusing before and be like, you walk in, this could be, and that could be, and that could be. What's going to be my reaction? What's going to be my reaction? I walk into shul, and it's possible someone will be on my seat. What can I do? I'm talking about the value. No, I'm saying, but I don't want you to focus, hyper-focus on the example. Think about the value and apply it to the new example. That's what I'm trying to point out again. The value is not to be shocked by anything. To prepare yourself mentally for the possibility that someone will be on my seat, and that's okay. It's not an attack on who I am as a person. It's not an attack on my essence. It's not. It, it's not stealing anything from me because I don't own anything really to begin with, right? Like I don't. I, I'm not. I'm no. I'm nobody special, you know. Like I, those are thoughts that you can really, really inculcate within ourselves. These things, you know? I don't know if it's constantly. I think it's that you have to make those markers. Make those markers. Be like walking the shul. You think about it. Going to house. You think about it. Yeah, 100%. I know for a fact, I, have a, I had a certain sikhsuk uh, with, with, with my neighbor, with my neighbor, sometimes in Israel, your, your neighbors are your relatives, but, but so when you're, they become relatives, but when in, I had a certain neighbor that was a little bit difficult. So it's hard for me that when I'm in a, a, a kilo, somebody's upset at me, I have a very hard time like seeing them. Okay, whatever, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you, you pass by them every single day. It's a very uncomfortable feeling, especially if they were yelling at you, like, six months before, which is what happened. Six months ago, they was yelling at me, calling me a shocker and a lie. I couldn't understand that. I, clearly, the guy has a serious mental issue. Fine, but he lives in my building. He, I have to see him every single day. Our kids play with each other. It's a reality that you can't just run away from, right? You can't just pretend like this person doesn't exist. You see them. So, like, even saying good job to the guy for the first few months was really hard for me because I don't, I'm not of the value that if you're angry at somebody, you don't talk to them. I, I'm, I'm, I, I hold, try to hold myself to a higher standard, but it was very hard. You see them every day. So I would get myself, so before I would walk in my building or I leave my house, I would pre- prepare myself for the possibility that he's going to be there and you're going to say Shalom Aleichem. You're not going to be a petty, small individual. 
ah, the person is called Yosha. He had such a chutzpah, to literally, to the extent that, like, after he yelled at me in public, in front of my entire building, screaming at me, yelling at me, he came back to me and said, by the way, I'm like, <laughs> can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I, I, like, I cannot, I cannot wrap my head around such an individual. I, and I told, my, I told my wife, I said, why would I ever want to be around this person? But the problem is, I'm forced to, because in a sense, they live on top of me. You know, you can't, you can't get around them. But, okay, so I don't have to be his best friend, I don't have to be my chavrusa, but at the end of the day, I have to see him. But I'm also not the type of person who's going to sit there and, like, be bothered, especially because it ruins my menuchas and nefesh. Why do I have to, before I go to Shabbos, be annoyed by that? What? So I, I got to a point, I said, you know what, I'm going to see him, most likely going to see him, and you're just going to say good Shabbos. That's it. You're going to say Shalom Aleichem. You're going to say good morning. Because I don't want, I don't wish any ill will towards somebody, despite the fact that they hurt me, despite the fact that they revised me, despite the fact they call me a liar, a shocker, and a tippet. Literally, like the most disgusting words you could call somebody in public in front of my entire building. It was, it was totally out of... Out of was he being sarcastic? No, no, no. That's the sad part. He's been quite serious. Quite serious. His face was red, red with anger. Like, what is going on? I'm looking around with people like, what is flying over here? Whole thing is crazy. But what's my point? My point is, is that is that you prepare yourself mentally for those reactions, and then it won't be a react. It won't be a reaction. It's an experience you've already, in a sense, had mentally. That's exactly the key to prepare yourself. But sometimes it comes upon you in a heartbeat, and there is no time. And then when you react differently, that's when you know you changed. That's when you know when it, when it happens in a flash of an eye. You True. don't have time to think. One hundred percent. And you do the other thing. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But I'm it, asking, how do you get to that? Point? I'm saying I think it, you for those times that you did think about it again or similar types of scenarios. You have to be a little bit creative with your with your imagination. But think about, okay, so that time was about person taking my seat. Now let's say if I have a car, someone took my parking lot. Okay, what if someone then is like, you know, using my, using my sukkah boards? I mean, there could be a thousand examples. It doesn't have to be specifically the, the, that example I have to speak to. I want you to think about yourself. But the value is what dictates the response. So, Mir Sashem Yisbarach, you should be to learn Torah. All the best.